turn to Genesis uh, chapter 39. <clears throat> We're going to look there in just a moment. Genesis 39, the first six verses, finding out a little bit about Joseph's life. Uh, today is the third in our series on biblical success. The last two weeks hit pretty hard on what biblical or kingdom success is as different from worldly success. But I also know that it's very important for us to understand how can I accomplish something with my time and my energy and my effort here on earth because I'm here for a reason and I have some time in front of me until God calls me home. What can I do to accomplish something with that time to be quote-unquote successful with my efforts here on earth for God's glory, for other people's benefit, but how can I accomplish something here on earth where where I can succeed at it. So we're going to talk about that today. No one really wants to set out to fail. You don't really plan on setting out to make an effort only to uh, fall on your face. I did find out a few years ago that in the PGA Tour, uh, one of the guys that entered into, he actually got accepted. He, he made the qualifying uh, bid, I guess, uh, so to speak, to get into the PGA Tour and two different rounds of golf, and he lost both rounds. He barely made the cut. He lost both rounds, but, but he managed to place within the top 15 or 20 at those two PGA events. And when he lost, he won $700,000. I told my wife, if I can fail that well, I think that could be our retirement plan. I could go out there and lose and win $700,000. But the reality is, is that we don't like to set ourselves up for failure. It doesn't feel good. We wonder what the purpose was in the beginning. If we, if we go out there and we fall flat on our face, Charles Noble said this. He said, you must have long-range goals to keep you from being frustrated by short-term failures. That has a lot to do with what I preached the last two weeks about having the eternal perspective. When you're doing temporal, temporary things, we keep in mind the eternal perspective because we may feel as if the temporary has been a failure and yet we know that we're building blocks and we're stepping forward in perseverance so that we can have the eternal success. When I was in junior high and high school, but it began in seventh grade, I loved to play basketball and I played basketball every day for hours every day. Sometimes I would just go out and shoot for an hour and a half after dark. Sometimes I would go up to the, uh, the community ball um, basketball court and would play. I happened to be the only person of my height, uh, stature, I was skinny as a twig, and, and color of skin. And, and I just didn't have all of the gifts and skills that the other guys on the court had. And I would for two hours lose every single game that I played. And when I got the ball at the end of losing another game in a row, I would say, let's run it again. Same teams. We're not even going to switch up teams. Same teams. And I'd lose another one in a row. And God has shown me over the years how he was helping me to understand that success is perseverance. It's faithfulness. It's learning when the temporary in the moment seems like a failure that there's actually some building blocks that are being established for a longer term success. And through all of my losses, and I lost a lot of basketball games over the years, I actually did pretty well coaching a couple of basketball teams later on and running a basketball league because of all the things I'd learned in my 
failures. So we want to set out to succeed in kind of our everyday stuff. Thomas Edison, obviously you knew I had to mention him because he's famous for having attempted many, many things. In West Orange, New Jersey, he had his manufacturing facilities. They were actually damaged by fire in December of 1914. He lost a million dollars in equipment and a record of all of his different attempts at discovering new things and having breakthroughs in his inventions. And this is what he said, 67 years old, when that happened, he said, You know, there's value in our disaster. All our mistakes are burned up, and now we can start anew. And so we are going to talk about success, and we are going to talk about accomplishment, but in light of that, we also have to understand that there are going to be some temporary setbacks along the way. There's going to be things along the way that you wished never would have happened, and I even prayed this morning about regret, that there are times I've had regrets where I wished that that hadn't happened or that I hadn't chosen that path. But here's the thing Charles Kettering says to us, you may not be able to reclaim the loss, undo the damage or reverse the consequences, but you can make a new start with the Holy Spirit and determine in yourself to do what is right and follow the Holy Spirit whenever you do suffer loss. And so on our way to accomplishment, on our way to trying to succeed at the task at hand, there are going to be some failures along the way. One more thing about Thomas Edison is that it's said that Thomas Edison performed 50,000 experiments before he succeeded in producing a storage battery. We might assume that he would have had many doubts along the way. I probably would have. 50,000 experiments before he succeeded in having a battery that could store electricity. I might have quit. You might have been tempted to quit. 50,000. But then they asked him if he ever became discouraged with working so long without results. And he said, results, why I know 50,000 things that don't work. We can always see that there's benefit in our losses, in our setbacks. There's things that we can learn that will shape our character. But we have to keep in mind the long-term results of the kingdom for God's glory, for the help of others, and for the kingdom of God. Let's look at Genesis 39. Let's read that this morning to find out about Joseph's success when he was in Egypt and in his life. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt and Potiphar, an Egyptian officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the bodyguard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. And the Lord was with Joseph. Very important. I don't know if you underline in your Bible or if you take notes in the sermon outline. Whether you underline that or write that somewhere, the Lord was with Joseph, so he became a successful man. Very important. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Now, verse 3, now his master saw that the Lord was with him. That's important too. He saw the Lord was with him. He saw the Lord leading, guiding, directing, and taking care of him. And how the Lord caused all that he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight, in Potiphar's sight, and he became his personal servant, and he made him overseer over his house, and all that he owned he put in his charge. And it came about that from that time he made him overseer in his house and over all that he owned, and the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house on account of Joseph. 
Thus the Lord's blessing was upon all that he owned in the house and in the field. So he left everything he owned in Joseph's charge, and with him there he did not concern himself with anything except for the food he ate. The rest was in Joseph's charge. Lord, we pray that we would learn from Joseph's life, his example. Lord, we pray that you would be with us as you were with Joseph to make us successful in your eyes for your glory, for the benefit of others. Help us, Lord, to be with you as much as we know that, Lord, you are with us. In Jesus' name, amen. So it seemed like Joseph had the Midas touch. Everything he touched succeeded. Everything he did just worked. You probably remember that in your yearbook. You might remember even the name of the person. They were homecoming king or queen. They were captain of, their, of the cheerleading or captain of the football team. They seemed to get all straight A's. They seemed to do, I mean, just somebody you knew that it seemed like if they touched it, it turned to gold. There have been a few times in my life when I looked at my wife and I said, I actually think I have the reverse Midas touch right now. If I touch it, it will fall apart, it will break, and it will just go to ruin. Some people seem to have all the luck is what we say, right? And yet we see from Joseph's story that when the Lord is with you and you are with the Lord and there is this union of the Lord and you in in oneness of obeying him and his revelations, then he will help you to succeed, not just in the eternal things, but even in the things that you accomplish in day-to-day affairs. Because he was able to bless Potiphar's household. He was able to bless Egypt because he was with the Lord. He obeyed the Lord. The Lord was with him and the Lord made him prosper. Well, I want to take a moment to recap the last two weeks and uh, give you just kind of a very quick definition of biblical success. So from Jeremiah's life, we talked about it being persevering faithful obedience. That's biblical success. We talked about from the Hebrew word sakal that, that success is gleaning wisdom from God. We talked about from the Hebrew word salah that, that biblical success is prevailing, overcoming. So you just kind of keep going, keep getting up. When you get knocked down, you just get up and keep on going till you prevail. We talked about the fact that like Abraham, if you and I believe God, we can succeed. If, like David, we run after God's heart, we, we can succeed. Obeying God, like Elijah, is success. In Peter's life, repenting from our sinful behavior is success. And these are all things we've looked at in the last two weeks. But I want to now turn our attention to how can you be successful in what you do tomorrow morning at 8 a.m., when you walk out the door with your cup of coffee in your hand and you're headed to the office or you're headed to the work site or you're headed to school and you say, I want to I accomplish something today. I don't want to come home and have been a failure or wasted my time. So number one, you can only prevail and prosper by living according to God's standards. And you notice what I said there. You can only prevail and prosper in God's ways and by God's blessings by living according to His standards. Because I'm not going to give you a pop psychology sermon this morning. It's not going to be 10 self-help ways to make you a better person. This is still in the context of biblical success. I want God to say, well done, good and faithful servant. I I want God to say, you know what, you've been trustworthy with a few things. I'm going to now put you in charge of many things. So I'm still not looking for 
the accolades of men. I just want to be one who achieves and accomplishes in my everyday life. And the way you do it is by living according to God's standards. So if you speak with tongues of men and angels, but you do not have love, what are you? 1 Corinthians 13, 1. If you speak with the tongue of men and angels, but you have not love, what are you? A clanging symbol. In other words, you're making a whole lot of noise, and you're not getting anywhere. You're not make, getting any traction. You're not actually having any true success or achievement. You say, well, I've, I've, I can speak with the tongues of men and angels, but if I have not love. For instance, I think that's like the story of a newspaper boy uh, that was selling newspapers on the corner a few years ago. We don't do that anymore. And when he was selling the newspapers on the corner, a man walked up to him and he said, well, how much for a paper? And he said, five cents. And he said, oh, okay. And he gave him the five cents. And he said, well, how much profit do you make off of these newspapers? And he said, I don't make any profit. He said, I bought the newspapers from that boy over there for five cents. I just wanted to kind of stand on the corner and yell a little bit. Sometimes our successes aren't getting us anywhere because we're just out there yelling a little bit. We're just a clanging symbol. We're just saying, look at this accomplishment that I have in the eyes of man. We want God's ways and God's rewards and God's um, affirmation to be what's in our life. And the only way to have that is to live according to God's standards. In other words, if you can rise to the top of the corporate ladder, but you don't have love, you've accomplished nothing right? This is something God's convicted me about and spoken to me about, and I even heard it on the radio this week, and it was a guy who traveled all over the country preaching and teaching on how to build a healthy marriage, and he went home, and his marriage was falling apart. So if I can stand before you, and I can tell you about the love of God, but I can't show the love of God to my family, I'm a clanging symbol. If we want the successes in life, we have to pursue it with a way of love and kindness and forgiveness and grace and mercy. And I've actually had two types of folks in my life that I've known. Both of them, by worldly standards, were raging successes. I've had the opportunity to know people that were just ridiculously wealthy. They had money that some of us just could never dream of, and if we had it, we wouldn't even know what to do with it. And these two groups of people, one of them, well, <clears throat> he would put in a bathroom, and six months later, he'd get tired of it, and we'd rip it out. And six months later, we'd put another one in. And then six months later, we'd rip it out. And for seven years, he never moved into his house. We'd just build him a bathroom or a kitchen, and we'd rip it right back out. He had money. He didn't have any contentment. didn't have any aim or direction. He's just throwing it around. He had no success. He was just a clanging symbol know somebody else who had been blessed to have money. He started out with very little money in a very impoverished part of, of uh, Georgia. And then he came to a place where through hard work, discipline, perseverance, and above all, the blessing of the Lord, he had a lot of money. You know what I saw this gentleman do? He'd give a car to somebody that needed a car. He'd give a sum of money to somebody he was taken advantage of. Somebody received something from him. 
And after they got what they wanted, they walked out the door, never to be seen or heard from again. They played him. And do you know what that did to that man? Absolutely nothing. He was as kind and humble and gracious and generous as he's ever been. So both of these guys that I'm talking about, they both had success in the ways of men. Because they had money, and they had people who wanted to get close to them because of their money, and they had awards, and they had recognition, and yet one of them was not successful in the least. Miserable, discontent, frustrated. The other one had peace from Christ. So when you go pursuing success tomorrow in your school and your work and your home life, do it in the way that lives according to God's standards, by love and kindness and grace and mercy. Be an imitator of God. Seek to be holy as he is holy. Ephesians and Peter talks about that. All right, point number two. You can only prevail and prosper in God's ways and by God's blessings by following God's directions. By following God's directions. In Joseph's life, he followed God's ways and he followed God's directions. He treated his siblings in a way that his siblings did not treat him. They threw him in a pit, they sold him into slavery. And he responded with forgiveness. He followed God's direction because there's no way that Joseph could have interpreted a dream unless he heard from the Lord first. There's no way he could have known the eternal truth uh, that was revealed by the mouth of God unless he listened to the one who spoke that truth. So he followed God's ways and he followed God's directions. You and I can only prevail and prosper in our day-to-day school and work and home life if we follow God's directions. One person has said this. He was actually a, uh, a principal of a school, and then he worked with an association of school principals, and he said this, It's more important to know where you're going than to get there quickly. Do not mistake activity for achievement. In other words, you can be spinning a whole lot of plates in the air, and at the end of the day, did it put food on your plate? Did it put love in the life of your children or your or your spouse so deuteronomy chapter 5 talks about the fact that you shall observe to do what the lord your god has commanded you don't turn to the right or to the left walk in obedience to all that the lord your god has commanded you so that you may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land that you will possess you have to follow god's directions if you want to have god's success in the things that you do one last comment about this and then i'm going to give you four steps to being successful but one last comment about this is that your successes on earth that are contrary to the kingdom of god will be a far greater harm than your earthly failures that are in agreement with the kingdom of god i know i have to say that again but your successes on earth that go against god's ways will do a lot more harm than your failures on earth that are in agreement with God's ways. Because God can use a humble and a contrite heart, but a proud heart he's going to pull down. Pride truly does come before a fall, as Scripture says. Mark 8, 36, What shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? We were talking about it um, just recently how many people that win the lottery go bankrupt within five years, and how many people who win the lottery that commit suicide. Because having worldly success isn't it if you don't have the, the grounding and the success from the Lord. So let me give you four steps 
and that will help you for scriptural ways that you can prosper in whatever you do on earth. First is commit it to the Lord. Right? So Psalm uh, 37 says, Commit your way to the Lord, trust also in Him, and He will do it. Commit your way to the Lord. Now, when the football teams pray before the match, before the game, I don't believe that God says, Well, because that team prayed and that team didn't pray, then that team's going to win. It's not like that. But I absolutely believe that if you're going to go out and do something, you should say, Lord, help me do this. Help me do it with excellence. Help me do it for your glory. Help me do it with the gifts you've given me. Help me to do it in a way that I actually can accomplish something with the efforts that I set forth. Commit your way to the Lord. Not just on the football field, but also at work. Lord, when I go to work today, I give you this day. May the efforts of my hand be for your glory. May the words of my mouth be for your glory. When I interact with that really annoying person at work, may it be for your glory. I commit my way to you, Lord. Do it in advance. Don't wait till you're in trouble. Don't wait till you don't know what to do. But at the beginning of the day, at the beginning of your career, at the beginning of your life, right now, today, then say, God, I commit my way to you. And then he can begin to work in that. Because God's a gentleman. He's not going to work in any way that he's not been invited to work in or any place he's not been invited to work in. So, number two, work at it for the glory of God and not for the glory of men. Work at it for the glory of God, not the glory of men. So we see that in Colossians chapter 3. Whatever you do, work at it heartily as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. Work at it for the glory of God and not for men. This is very important when you're working for a difficult employer. It's important in any situation, but I want you to think about this. You're working for a difficult employer. Nothing makes them happy. They always wake up on the wrong side of the bed. They like to criticize your work. They've always got something to say that's just going to downgrade and degrade and, and defame you. And you're like, why do I even do this? I'm not doing it for them. I'm doing it for the Lord. Lord, I committed my way to you. And now, Lord, today when I work for that person, Lord, will you use what I use to give you glory? I worked in a warehouse at one point making countertops um, and the boss was referred to as the devil by all his employees he punched a 65 year old man right in the nose when i was there he cussed up and down a blue streak that you would blush and be ashamed of to even hear and when he would come into the room i would see people flee out the back and I'd sit in the parking lot before I went in and I'd say, Lord, help me today. Help me to make a difference. Help me to be a light in a dark place. Help me to make some kind of an impact here. And what was really neat was watching the transformation where he would come into, we had three warehouses and he would come into our warehouse after a couple weeks and he stopped screaming in our warehouse because we would respond with gentleness. When I first got there, he would yell, I was the shop foreman. He would yell at one of the guys working for me, and the guy would yell back, well, if you would do this, well, if you would do that, well, how come you can't? And after the boss left, I went and I talked to that employee, and I said, he may not be deserving of respect in his behavior, but you should respect him nonetheless. 
when you respect him, watch and see what changes. And so if we're living according to God's ways, and we're living according to God's direction, and we commit our way to the Lord, and then we say, God, we're doing this for you and not for men, then you can go into that situation and say, Lord, I've committed my way to you, and I'm going to treat this person with respect and honor, and watch and see how it changes. And he stopped yelling in our warehouse. Took a little while of kind of just with gentleness and humility taking it. And then he changed some of his behavior. It didn't change his heart. He still needed Jesus to get a hold of his heart, but he changed his behavior around us. Work at it for the glory of God and not for men. Uh, Number three, work at it with all your heart. This is also in Colossians, right there in that same verse. Whatever you do, do your work heartily or with all of your heart as for the Lord. So we're doing it for God, but we're also doing it with all of our heart. I was challenged in college that they said, Imagine this, that whenever you have, and they were talking about preaching or teaching, but they said whenever you meet with people for one hour, imagine that for that one hour, they're giving you 1000 or 5000 or $10,000, whatever it is, pick a number. Are they getting $10,000 worth of your effort? Or did you just kind of throw it together at the last minute and hope that it came out as something good? Could you imagine with your boss, with your spouse, with your kids, are they getting $10,000 per hour of your effort, or is it just kind of like, well, it's what I had, what's left over? Work at it heartily, with all of your heart. Put your effort into it. Apply yourself. This is biblical commands and encouragement and instruction that when we do that, it says it right there in chapter 3, verse 24. It says, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward. The Lord will reward your effort of working with all of your heart for His glory, not for your own, and then committing your way to the Lord. Number four, do whatever you do in order that God's name, God's gospel, God's kingdom might advance on earth. Colossians 3.1, Therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand. So we're, 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 we're looking to Him for our direction. We're looking to Him for our wisdom and, and our hope. But then Colossians 3.17, Whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to Him to God the Father, through him to God the Father. Uh, the kids and I and, and Anna, we're all reading um, In His Steps. Anybody in here read In His Steps by Charles Sheldon? Oh, man. Okay, you guys need to read it because you all already know what it is. Because every one of you somewhere at some time in your life has had a little bracelet that said WWJD on it. And that WWJD, what would Jesus do came from the book In His Steps by Charles Sheldon, written 100 years ago. And it's a fictional book about challenging the people in the congregation to say, I won't do anything until I ask the question first, what would Jesus do if he was in my situation? And then going to the scriptures to learn how Jesus acted, and then applying it to your life. So one of the examples in there is a newspaper man. And the newspaper man realizes that he's got people advertising in his newspaper that he kind of wonders if Jesus would do that. Matter of fact, the people in his congregation didn't understand. And if I tell you the story of the advertisers, you might not understand or agree. But he said, how can I justify letting bars advertise in my newspaper? I don't think Jesus would do that. And he made a decision based upon his prayer time and and 
he let that out of his newspaper. He decided not to publish an account of a boxing match because he didn't know that Jesus would necessarily promote a boxing match. Now, that was just his fictional account of what he was trying to decide in his own life. But the question remains the same for all of us. If we're seeking to do it for the glory of God, to advance his kingdom in his name, would Jesus do what I just did? Would Jesus do what I'm thinking about doing? We don't have to guess at it because he actually gives us instruction in his word and he guides us according to his Holy Spirit. But if you want to be successful at home and at work and at school, then you need to do what you do in order that God's name and his gospel and his kingdom might advance on earth. Asking that question, what would Jesus do? One man has said, unless we see what God is doing, we will never be able to achieve what God wants us to achieve. Unless we can see what God sees, see what God's doing, understand what he's after, we won't be able to achieve what he wants us to achieve. But if we see as God sees, we can achieve what God wants us to achieve. I love this quote from Henry Blackaby. He said, history is the record of the activity of God in accomplishing his mighty purposes. History is looking back and seeing what God has accomplished. But God wants you to be successful, even on earth, in his ways and for his glory. And so I think it's really awesome when I find out that somebody that I've helped along the way has gotten a promotion at work. They've gotten a raise because of excellence in service, excellence in their work ethic, excellence in their perseverance. I think it's awesome. I love that. It saddens me when I find out that friends or family have perhaps lost a job because of poor performance. But the point of it is that are we doing this for the glory of God? Are we doing this to help people? Are we doing it heartily with all of our heart as unto the Lord and not unto men? Asking those questions, Lord, what would you have me do in this situation? Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you and we thank you, Lord, that you put us in many, many different opportunities where we can make efforts to seek to accomplish something with the time and the energy and the effort you've given us, Lord. But we want to do it, Lord, in a way that you would help us. So, Lord, when we're at work, when we're at school, help us to ask those questions about who are we doing it for. Help us to do it for you, Lord. Help us to do it in your ways and according to your direction. Lord, I do pray that each person here, you would make them successful in all of your kingdom ways. And I pray, Lord, that we would say yes to your way and no to the world's way, no matter the cost or the consequence. Bless us, Lord, as we leave this place. May we be with you as Joseph was with you, and may you be with us as you were with Joseph, so that, Lord, we may be successful in what we put our hand to. All for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.